I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's probably never a great thing when you're signing receivers, journeyman receivers, right before the start of the playoffs um, to the practice squad. Now, you need guys on the practice squad to practice, obviously. So there is a role with that. But... The Bucks on Thursday signed John Brown to their practice squad as sort of their injuries mount. I mean, we know, you know, Cyril Grace, Cyril Grayson is probably not going to play. He's got, you know, that hamstring injury. Bruce Arians said the other day he was doubtful that that still is the case. He's not participated in practice this week. And then on top of that, Brashard Perriman has a bit of a hip injury that he's been dealing with. And he was with the trainers a little bit uh, before he was limited in practice on Thursday. Now, we talked to Perriman. Uh, he says, you know, those are my dudes. I hang out with those guys a lot. And he seems to be like he's going to be okay. Um, and this time of year, a lot of guys are on the injury report. I think they had 14 players on there, as a matter of fact. But that one position, you know, it was defensive backs earlier, of course, and pretty much every every part of the ball, outside linebackers of late, but the receiver position has been hit particularly hard, and it's not obviously ideal going into the postseason. Although, um, if Perriman's able to go, Tyler Johnson stepped up, I thought, in the last game. It's really the first game I've seen him sort of assert himself and get open and you know win coverage. So they've got those two guys, and of course they still have Mike Evans. Um, you know, I, I think they're solid there, and we saw Scotty Miller come in and do some nice things. Jalen Darden, the rookie, could play if he had to, although smallish guy, even smaller than Scotty. But maybe, you know, they'll make use of the whole roster. And Justin Watson is nicked up. He had played special teams. He's he's also limited. So they're going to have to find different ways to do it, but you certainly don't want to lose Perriman. Brown is a guy that played, of course, for Bruce Arians. He was drafted by Arians with the Arizona Cardinals, played there four years. Had a 1,000-yard season, I think, with the Buffalo Bills. He's bounced around quite a bit. In fact, in just this past year, this is like the third or fourth team practice squad he's been on um, of late, including the Jaguars, I think the Broncos, and the Raiders just this year. So, you know, he's he's, he's in his 30s, uh, was always kind of a vertical guy, was always kind of a deep threat. You wonder, you know, how, how much speed he has left. And, and really, you know, he just got in last, uh, what was, I guess, Wednesday night, and so we talked to Byron Leftwich, and he said it just depends on, you know, how much of, of that offense he, he's retained. There's been some, some changes to it, obviously. But the Bucks haven't been shy about flying guys in on Wednesday and playing them on Sunday. We've seen that happen time and time again, even on the defensive side with Richard Sherman and others. So, you know, if he has to play, um, he'll be another body out there that uh, that Tom Brady's going to have to trust and, and throw to. But you hope it doesn't come to that. Um, you know, I saw a defense, headline that said former Cardinals receiver signed. I was like, Larry Fitzgerald's coming? <laughs> yeah, or Buck signed Brown, the receiver Brown. is Not that Brown, not Antonio Brown. They came to a settlement? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have been quite a settlement, I think, for sure. Um, but, yeah, you lose one Brown. What, see what Brown can do for you, as, as they say. 
Um, but I, you know, again, this is sort of a, they, they've done this with, with veterans. Like it's really, it's really interesting to me because you can kind of tell where a team is at based on who they sign. Right. And of course, when they changed the rules a year ago because of COVID, where you can have veteran players on the practice squad, that, that changed the dynamic of the entire NFL. And, you know, I mean, the guys they bring in now are sort of pack and play guys, right? Like they're veteran players, played a lot of football. I mean, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, you know, Le'Veon Bell was concentrating on boxing when he got a phone call. And he said, you know, the only team that he would have probably considered was the Bucks. And so he, he came down here in a couple of weeks. He's had a few reps and then, you know, ended up ends up with a, a, a pretty big touchdown last Sunday and and you would expect to see more of him because Ronald Jones is not looking good. He's in a boot. Um, he's doubtful for Sunday's game. I don't think he will play. They will get Leonard Fournette back. It appears, which is a great thing. Um, you know, assuming that he's still Leonard Fournette, but he's been running around for a couple of weeks now. So I think that will help them. And of course, Keyshawn Vaughn has done a decent job sort of, you know, filling in between. He was sort of their lead running back uh, a week ago against Carolina, but there's no question, you know, I, I was watching, um, you know, on, on Thursday, I, I was watching the replay of the Bucks against the Eagles, you know, from October, October 14th up in Philadelphia. And, well, you talk about two different teams now. They, they Both these teams don't resemble each other anymore because, you know, the Eagles were trying to throw the ball all over the yard. They got behind 28-7. to seven. Um, They started running it a little bit more. And, and had some success, and Jalen Hurts had a really nice second half. And I think, you know, I think the Bucks hung on like, you know, 28, uh, 25 or something like that, or 24, and managed to run out the final five minutes of the game and never gave the ball back, which was huge. Uh, Antonio Brown was the star of that game. And you forget, like, that was where he got hurt. That's where he hurt his ankle, hurt his heel, um, you know, had to miss a bunch of games after that. Then came the you know the vaccination card suspension. Uh, he was going to miss two of those three games. He was suspended. Then of course he came back against Carolina and had the eleven catch day for 100, 100 yards. And then the meltdown, you know that uh, that that they had, you know at halftime. Um, and and I just he was so good in this in this Philadelphia game. He really helped them, you know keep that five-minute drive alive. And I remember talking to him after the game, and everything was on the up and up. You know, they were playing some of their better football, especially offensively. But even in that game against Philadelphia, and I thought this was interesting because I had forgotten, Levante David was out. He did not play against the Eagles. And Kevin Minter was in there, and they held up okay. It wasn't wasn't great. I mean, when the Eagles tried to run the ball, they, they basically had some success. Now they're going to run it all the time. But you could see there's such a glaring difference between – Levante David playing with Devin White and Devin White playing with Kevin Minter. There just is. I mean, you know, Kevin just isn't fast or or athletic enough um, to sort of, you know, go over the top and cover Devin White if he shoots the gap and if he's wrong or he misses a tackle. You know, Levante always seems to be there uh, to sort of have, you know, go over the top and make the play. And Minter gets blocked, you know, and he got blocked in this Philadelphia game in the second half when they started running the football so I think the key is going to be getting Devin White back. And, and again, you, you hope if you're the Bucks that he's the Devin White he needs to be on the football field. But even if he's not 100%, which he, nobody is right now, um, just his experience and, 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 and sort of covering 
wide up and, and being able to take the right angles and, and getting off blocks and those sort of things, just being in position is going to make a big difference. And then those, you know, those five yard runs or six yard runs don't become 16 or 26 or 33 like they did last week. And, and that's, that's sort of been the key that and the fact that they missed a lot of tackles, you know, and I talked to Todd Bowles on Thursday and asked him, you know, this is not the time of year. I mean, obviously, you can't practice t- tackling right now. I mean, nobody's in pads. It's late in the year. Everybody's beat up. It's like, how do you do that? He goes, well, you hit the bags, and, and he goes, and the biggest thing is you just go back to, you know, being fundamentally sound. He goes, we've, you know, we've overrun a lot of plays. Um, you know, we've not been squared up on people. And he goes, it's really just, you know, it's the simple things. And when you get to the playoffs, that's that's the one thing I'll say about you know, what the Bucks were able to do last year and what championship teams do, um, you really got to lock in. And it's the small things, the very small things that end up winning in the postseason. They win football games all year long. But against the better teams, you just can't make mistakes. You know, you, you have to be very sound. You can't jump off sides. You can't have false starts. Um, you, you know, you have to be fundamentally sound in tackling and, and taking the right angles and you know, rallying to the football, all those little things. And otherwise, the team across from you is good enough because they're in the postseason too. They're going to beat you. They're going to beat you with mistakes. And the team that makes the fewest mistakes in football always wins or usually wins. Certainly improves their chances. Um, you know, the Bucks. if they don't turn the ball over, if they get a turnover or two, they should be okay. Um, but, you know, you just got to be on it. And they were on it when they played Philadelphia up there earlier. But like I said, Philadelphia's a different team now. And Leonard Fournette ran the ball hard. I mean, they did a lot of nice things. You know, you know who had a good game up there? O.J. Howard. I mean, I'm watching O.J. Howard in this game make clutch catches, including a touchdown to start the game. And I'm thinking, where is that? You know, I mean, they've been going to some three tight ends, some even four tight ends with, with uh, Josh Wells playing as a tackle as a tight end. But they haven't, we haven't really seen O.J. in the passing game pretty much all year. And you just wonder if he's going to, you know, reemerge at all in these playoffs. And sometimes that's what happens. But they've got to figure out the puzzle. And, you know, the Eagles, I, I, I t- did a radio station interview. I, I tell you, I give them a puncher's chance. If you were going to tell me, Steve, pick an upset this weekend, okay? Dallas is favored over San Francisco. Maybe there, right? Um, but what's, this, what's the next best upset potential? I think it's right here. I think it's right here in Tampa. Uh, I, yeah, I give them a puncher's chance. I think, <clears throat> I think the Raiders have a shot over the Bengals. That's a good one too. Yeah, and, I like and, that. and mostly because the Bengals just haven't been there for so long. And, and how many of that right. team has been to the playoffs in that? I mean, I, I really like Joe Burrow, and if he plays mm-hmm. well, saw a tweet from Dan Orlovsky. It says he's played six must-have-to-have-it win games. One of them all. And it was in, in with LSU. There was the Alabama game, the SEC championship, semifinals, finals, and then the mm-hmm. last two games for the Bengals against the Ravens and, and and the Browns or the the team before the Ravens, the Chiefs and the and the Ravens. It was mm-hmm. he's six and zero, twenty seven touchdowns, no picks, four hundred and forty yards a game. If he plays like that, I mean they'll be fine. But you know, there's a lot of intriguing matchups. But I, I mean, I give Philadelphia a puncher's chance. Um, I think San Francisco can beat Dallas. I do too. Um, I, I do too. I don't think Pittsburgh can beat Kansas City. No. Um, no. Buffalo, New England could go either way. 
Possibly, although I think New England ha- or Buffalo has the edge there. I, I think they have the edge, but I mean, I could see Bill Belichick winning that in game. one game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, although he doesn't play many road playoff games, which is rare for him. So, but yeah, I, I mean, Philadelphia, and, and as Todd Bowles had said, and, and we've talked about, and everybody else has said, I mean, this is a very different Philadelphia team than the one the Bucks faced in October. And and, and while the Bucks kind of controlled that game, Philadelphia came back. This is a better Philadelphia team that is doing things differently than when they played them, too. So you can't even go back to, you know, what worked in that last game necessarily, particularly on the Philadelphia's offensive side of the ball. So, I mean, that's a new challenge, and and with a quarterback that can run the ball as well, too, which they don't face as often here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and I, and I think the other thing is, you know, Hurts, because of the RPOs, because of the things they do, he creates, you know – problems because I think we said this before you don't you don't necessarily spy a quarterback that's difficult to do um but you know that that little hesitation the 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 read options he can throw out of that and then towards the end of the season he had hurt his ankle and what I like about Jalen is he's adaptable you know he is he has worked and will work to get better um as a pocket passer and when he couldn't run because of his ankle he started beating people with his arm and, you know, that's that's the sign of a guy that, you know, has a chance in this league, right? Because, I mean, we've seen plenty of running quarterbacks, and they're dangerous. There's no question. But they also get hurt. And no pun intended, but, you know, whether you're Robert Griffith, you know, um, I think Josh Allen is a, is, a, is a horse. You know, he's huge. But eventually, Cam Newton, you know, catches up to those guys. You know, this is the NFL. You don't want to put your quarterback in this situation. Now, the Eagles have done it, and I think most of the time, Hurts will try to avoid contact. He'll slide. He's a smart runner. He'll run out of bounds. He'll do things like that to protect himself. Um, but it, he's a problem, and he's, he's just gotten you know, to be a better passer. And don't forget, you know, they got a guy in Devontae Smith who broke Deshaun Jackson's rookie record for the Eagles in receiving. Had nearly 1,000 yards. And he was a freak. I mean, Heisman Trophy winner, all of that. So him and Hertz have something going, and they're very, very good. Um, and they got Watkins. They got a number of, of, of wide receivers that can hurt you. So, you know, the Buc- in the Bucks defense, I mean, I, I, if I were a Bucks fan, I'd be concerned because we have not – first of all, the injuries have taken a bite out of them. And, you know, we're, we're hearing that Shaq Barrett may come back, but he's wearing a knee brace. We're hearing that JPP may play, but – Frankly, when he was playing before, they haven't repaired his torn labrum in his shoulder, and he wasn't wasn't the same player. And now they're saying, "Well, we think you know he won't be any worse; he'll be better for having taken some time off." But that injury has not changed. That injury is not healed. Um, and and then Levante David, I think just his presence—if he can get on the field—but of the guys that are sort of iffy and coming off IR, he's probably you know the most questionable. Um, and it just hasn't, you know, Kevin Minter, and I love him, you know, he's, he's a valuable guy to have because he's played a lot of football and he's a veteran, and it's hard to turn to young players, rookies in particular. But he's not had the kind of year that he's had in the past as, as a backup, and it's glaring, you know, and it's affecting, it's affecting guys like Devin White and others. So, you know, getting Levante back I think would be a key. But, you know, I was thinking, having settled, I was thinking we had a mailbag question yesterday asking about mm-hmm. – using hurry-up offense more. As, as, yep. You know, when Tom Brady's in the hurry-up, 
it's tough to stop him. You know, he's just so quick and so good at reading a defense and, and, and figuring out where your soft spot is and getting there. And when you have less time to set up, he takes advantage of that. However, the one disadvantage to using a hurry up is your defense goes back on the field quicker. That's correct. And do they want to limit how many snaps their defense is on the field, considering we don't know what Shaq Barrett's going to look like if he plays. We don't know how JPP yeah. will play. They think he's going to play better. They don't know that. Yeah. Um, is Levante David anywhere near 100% if he's coming back? I mean, he's playing, which will be better. You know, the more hurry up you do, particularly if you end up going in a three and out, you're yeah. just putting that defense back on the field quicker. And, and do they want to do that? So it's a balance. It's that complementary football. You, you can go the hurry up. Mm-hmm. And if you're successful in moving the ball down the field and getting several first downs in there, you're okay. Yeah. You get a three and out or one first down and out. Now you're, you're, you're putting more pressure on that defense, which is still yeah. banged up even if some of those guys are back. So I wonder, it, it's a, there's a decision-making process that the coaches have to go through of you know when to do a hurry up, when not to, because you're also protecting the other side of the ball. It's a great point, and I, I asked Barry and Lefferts about this too. You know, the last two games they've been limited to one possession in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible to me. They had three plays, three plays in the first quarter last week, and when you know, you, you have to be aware of who you're playing, right? Like Philadelphia can can control the ball on you with their run game and keep your quarterback on the sidelines, and mm-hmm. you know it would not be that unusual for them to have a twelve. 13 play drive and you know seven eight minutes go off the clock in one possession so if you know that that's their that's their strategy and it's a good one um you know uh, to your point like you know how long do you want to stay on the field I mean you you might want to protect your defense and you want to make sure that you don't turn the ball back over to them because it could be seven or eight minutes before you see it again and I talked to Leftwich about that and he he more or less just said well look you know if we get a first down, we're not limited to three plays. We get six plays or nine plays or 12 mm-hmm. plays. And that's true. It's all about execution, you know, but you're not going to score on every possession. And they've had a lot of first possession touchdowns this year. They haven't had them lately. They've started games very slowly on offense and on defense. They've given up first drive scores now, you know, pretty regularly in these last couple games. And, you know, so when you make the decision, you win the coin toss – and typically you'd like to defer because that's how you steal a possession. They did that last week. But you also don't want to give the ball to them to start the game. And, and as what happened last week is they drive the ball down and score a touchdown on you. You know, you just you don't want to see that either. So now you're down seven to nothing. But um, so there's, you know, there's ebbs and flows of every game. I think the advantage to going to no huddle is, is when you're not in rhythm, it helps you establish that rhythm. You can dictate their personnel on the field because they're not allowed to sub. They're not going to be able to substitute if you're at the line of scrimmage. Um, so, you know, if you like the matchups, you know, you can kind of wear those guys out and exploit the matchups. If you like what defense they're in, whether it's base or, you know, um, maybe they go heavy. If you've got three tight ends or whatever, whatever you're showing them, you can sort of dictate what, you know, what their personnel group is. So that, that's one way to sort of attack them. But, um, but I'm with you. I, I don't think you want to come out and, you know, hand the ball back and, and, you know, burn a minute off the clock and then maybe not get it for another seven or eight. So it's going to be a real chess match. I mean, the bottom line is that this, this Eagles team still has the remnants of, you know, their Super Bowl team from, what, three, four years ago. Um, 
but then they've got a lot of young players mixed in. Some are playing their first games. But if you're talking about a guy like Hertz, I mean, he played in national championship games. So this is not, you know, the big stage, the stage is not going to be too big for him. Uh, we talked about experience last year. You know, the Bucks didn't have much. They, they had it where they needed it. Tom Brady, uh, Antonio Brown, you know, uh, some of those guys, obviously Rob Gronkowski. But nobody else had really sniffed the playoffs. Well, this year, they all have it. They all have experience. But, you know, it, it goes to show you, you know, you can win without it. And it's really just, you know, the Bucks could be a better team and we're a better team in October. They could be a better team, you know, nine out of ten, ten times they play them. They have to be a better team on that Sunday. And that's what the postseason is all about. It's like, you know, did you go out there when it mattered with all the pressure, with, you know, the winner go home mentality and did you execute and I think this team will lock in it's just they've had so darn many moving parts you know but the one group that's been together is the offensive line and I know that the Eagles don't give you a lot in terms of big plays but if that offensive line can protect Brady and and move some people it's gonna be hard to move their front four but if you can move some people and run the ball a little bit and keep them off of Tom he's gonna find the open guys now it's up to some of those guys who haven't played a lot to make plays. You know, they got to make catches and, you know, your Perrimans and your Tyler Johnsons and those guys and even Scotty Miller, if he plays, you know, they, they have to make clutch catches. And we saw last week, I think Perriman made one of the best plays, you know, with the toe tap swag that he had, um, you know, down near the goal line. So it's, uh, you know, they're at home. They're a 10 point favorite, 10 and a half, something like that. I think that's way too much. I'm not a betting man, but geez, that seems like a lot of points you're, you're giving up. And uh, it's kind of surprising that they are 1 o'clock on Sunday. But I think, you know, in addition to helping Brady out with that because it would be well past his bedtime to go primetime, I think the league is looking at this game as, yeah, it's probably not going to be a great game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the thing is, it was a close game when they played on Thursday Night Football. Very close game in terms of score. It was 28-7, to 7, and a lot of people probably turned it off. But in terms of score, you know, it ended up a one-score game. But I think one of the reasons why they're probably at one is they feel like, you know, obviously, you know, when you got the Cowboys playing at 425, that's a great matchup with the 49ers, West Coast team, a little later out there. Um, I was surprised the Chiefs-Steelers were the Sunday night game. Yeah, me too, because that seems like that's going to be a huge blowout, doesn't it, to me? It sure feels like it. I mean, even Ben yeah. Roethlisberger said it. Yeah, <laughs> he's kind of being funny about it. He's like, well, we're going to get killed, but whatever. Um, it's almost sad for Ben in a way, like – Ben had the perfect walk-off, right, in the final game of the regular season. Yep. It wasn't a win and you're in, but it's a win, and if you don't get a tie or the Raiders win, you're in kind of thing. And if if that had been Ben's last game, you know, he kind of he, he took the victory lap and, and then won the game, and, you know, it was you know it was cool. It was a nice day, and, and everybody kind of knew what was up, and they sent him out the right way as a winner. But now you got to go play the Chiefs, and that kind of ruins it because – you know, you're on the road for one thing, but then secondly, it kind of reminds me of when Marino's last game, Jimmy Johnson made the playoffs with a not a great Miami team, and Marino's last game, they played Jacksonville, they played at Jacksonville, and they got clubbed by like 50. I mean, they lost like 55 to something, um, and it was brutal. And it was like, wow, that's the last we see of Dan Marino on that in that game. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be pretty for Ben, but... Yeah, he's, although I like yeah. his comments today, and I know a lot of people are just like, you know, he's just trying to take the pressure off. Yeah. I saw Jalen Rose on ESPN talking about this, and I agree. I think he's putting the pressure on his team. 
hey guys, you better prepare this week, otherwise we're gonna get smoked. Yeah, I think I think he was serving notice to every guy in that locker room of, you know, yeah, whatever we've done all year there. doesn't matter. It come you better come this week ready, right? And that you know maybe the pressure's off once you get to the game on Sunday, but I think he's trying to put the pressure on his team now. That right. you know the way we prepared all season isn't going to be good enough. You better be better. Yeah, no, I could see that, and 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 that that's what can happen when you play elite teams. They can not only beat you, but they could absolutely humiliate yep. you. And that team you know, did they, humiliate them, what three, four weeks ago, whatever it was. The Chiefs yeah. buried the, the Steelers. Yeah, no, it was it was bad. So, you know, here we go. It's the playoffs, and you know the the thing that no one's talking about because it's like the goat in the room, right? Is how do we know we're not seeing Tom Brady for the last game or the last? postseason uh in, in indeed the last game because i look i don't think he's made a decision um i don't think he will make a decision like you know 24 hours afterwards or anything but he is year to year and you know there's i mean he's much closer to to the end than he's ever been and i think it's just a question of one more year or not right and would would an early exit we've talked about this like would an early exit make him more or less likely to come back like Mm-hmm. Here's what I know. No matter what you say, no matter what they do in this postseason, right? They, if they flame out right away or whatever they do, the the fact of the matter is that if Tom Brady, because you talk about well, win a Super Bowl, go out on top. Listen, he doesn't need to win a Super Bowl. I mean, we know he's the greatest quarterback of all time. But aside from that, right? Look at the year he had personally. That's all you got to do. The guy won the passing title. You know, the guy had the most yards in his career uh, 5,300 and something. He had 43 touchdowns, 44 if you count, or more than that if you count the rushing touchdowns, but 43 uh, touchdown passes. Um, you know, he led his team to a to an NFC South title. He, you know, got the second seed. I mean, all of that, right? But individually, like just playing the position, a set a record for completions in a year. Like if he goes out, however he goes out, if he leaves after this year, he's leaving the game – in my opinion, and some people because, you know, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to win the MVP, but he's leaving the game at the top of the quarterback position. You know, he had the best year overall. Like, he won the passing title. Like, he, you know, he had the most of everything, right? You know, talk about efficiency with Rodgers and all that, fine. I'll have that argument all day. But for a guy who played 21 seasons and is 44 years old, to, to walk away – you're not just walking away because, oh, well, you know, I was 15th in the league or my team, you know, didn't make the playoffs or that kind of thing. Like he said, he said this before he said to us on Thursday, he goes, you know, I thought I would quit when I just sucked. <laughs> you know, if I suck, I'm going to quit. Well, the thing is, is that he doesn't suck. And he won't, he probably won't suck for a number of years because his arm is still good. He takes care of himself, all that. But now his, his sort of his his bar is if I can't be a championship quarterback. Well, he was that this year. Okay, does he want to go out? Does he want to wait until he's no longer a championship quarterback, or does he want to go out on the top echelon, the top rung of quarterbacks in the NFL at age forty five or forty four? I had a buddy of mine text me today because yesterday mm-hmm. we got this question on the on the podcast about you know yeah Brady and, and BA returning. You said thirty thirty five percent chance, maybe not. Yeah. And the one thing he told me, he goes, I think Brady comes back for one more year. If nothing else, he just launched his Brady brand. 
and it's another year of promoting that. Yeah, you get a lot of free promotion in this when you're playing. I mean, he's got a he's got a big empire that you know he can and, and he's you know I know he signed some nil deals with some college kids to wear the Brady brand and, and all that stuff. But you know some of his other business ventures may may benefit from sticking around another year. Now that may not be a reason to stick around, and I think it'll be more family than that. But yeah, you know that is something to consider too. It is if he didn't already have so much money, and I I, mm-hmm. I agree with you that it would it would probably help the sales of the Brady brand, you know. Like I think you know Jordan was obviously a part of Nike, and then he started the Jumpman and all that. Um, but whatever Tom does turns to gold because he's Tom Brady. So it 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 certainly has you know more visibility if you're playing than if you're not. But he's always going to be Tom Brady wherever he goes, and you know. I mean, I, I still marvel at how he's able to market everything he does now. Like, it's incredible to me. Like, he never and, – and you talk to the coaches, it's like he's never in a hurry, doesn't look at his cell phone. But then you see him on all these commercials and all this social media stuff. He has great people working for him. But, man, his time – because we know he spends, you know, a ton of time on football. I mean, that's what he does during the season. And you just like, – it's, it's incredible to me how much he can do in and around, you know – what his full-time job is and, and then also be a dad and also, and all that. And, you know, I think that part of it, I think it'll be, per, it'll be personal, not, not physical, obviously, or, but the, but the team's going to change too. You know, this is the thing, like, you know, does he think differently about the team or does he say, well, if I'd have had my guys, you know, if I'd have had CG, if I'd had Godwin, if I'd have had, you know, some of these guys that were hurt, um, maybe Brown's gone forever, but like, you know, could I, could we have, could we have, gone further it was just a bad year for injuries like we we won 13 games but we really didn't have our horses when we got to the playoffs you know even on defense Shaq Barrett was hurt all this stuff so we might think well you know uh we'd have gone a long way if we'd had our guys let's come back and roll it again but everybody's a year older you can't guarantee when they got 22 starters back that won't be the case next year you know you've got big decisions to make on guys like Carlton Davis and Chris Godwin, like, what do you do with him? Do you franchise him again? Can you sign him to a long-term deal if he's not ready when the season starts? Like, there's a lot of big decisions. Is Sue going to keep playing? Jason Pierre-Paul is probably done. Um, Levante, like, what has he got left? So there's, you know, there's there's a whole lot of changes that happen every year, but they didn't happen with this team. So you wonder if he would sign up for that. Like, would he sign up for, you know, well, I'm not going to have Godwin for a month, uh, you know, um, I don't have a B, uh, you know, our defense may be lacking, you know, so on and so forth. So I don't know. It's, uh, I I'm sure he's not, he's only focused on one thing and that's Sunday at one o'clock against Philly. But the, you know, this, you got to keep in mind, like we don't know when the end is like, you know, this, this could be the last time. I mean, it's, it's coming. And I know that they've probably been saying that in new England for like 15 years. Right. But, uh, you know, but they—I'm sure they never thought he would leave leave the Patriots, and he did. And and at some point, and I think by the time he's—I—I I can't fathom him playing beyond next year. That much I'll say. I don't think he's going to go past 45, even if his body would allow him to. But you know, he's—it's just been—I mean, the guy's been incredible to stay healthy as long as he has. And you know, knock on wood, he makes it through these playoffs. But it's really been something to watch. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Finally, and this happened, uh, I guess it was... What Thursday morning? Sometime Wednesday, it was I Wednesday saw. evening. Wednesday, Wednesday oh, night Wednesday late. evening. That's right. It was Wednesday evening. It was late. We, we had already recorded the podcast. the podcast, the mailbag. So we talked about this, but he hadn't been yeah. offered a job yet. Or well, I think interview. we we talked it into existence. To be honest with you, there you um, go. They must have listened. They did, and and because you know, I mean, this is broadcast what to eighteen nations. But John Spitek, who is the uh, Bucks vice president of player personnel, he's the right hand man. And sometimes the right and left hand man of uh, Jason Light, uh, the Bucks GM. And he's been here for like six years. Took over from John Robinson, who you know how has he done? By the way, the Tennessee Titans, yeah, number one seed in the AFC. Probably got the coach of the year, Mike Vrabel. He's done okay there. Um, but Spike Tech's put together a great scouting department. He helps obviously, uh, you know, Jason with the draft, with free agency, and all of that. Um, he's going to interview with the Minnesota Vikings. I, I chatted with him a little bit, I texted him the other day. He said it hadn't set up a date for him to do that yet. And they've got, you know, probably a list of, I don't know, half a dozen or more people that they're going to interview with the Vikings. Um, and I, I think this is probably the first of hopefully several opportunities he gets to talk because the more people he gets in front of, he's going to impress them. I mean, John's, you know, John's a former Michigan player, as you know. Um, was on the team with Brady, but Brady didn't know him. <laughs> At least that's what John says. And, uh, you know, worked his way up in Cleveland and then to Denver and, you know, took took that whole route. And, you know, he's just – he's been successful where he's been, whether he's been director of college scouting or and now, you know, running the pro personnel. And you just look at the team they built. And then this year in particular, I remember talking to him early in the year when they had all those injuries and they, they signed Richard Sherman and Pierre Desir and – Rashad Robinson, all these guys. And, you know, I was having kind of a woe is you conversation with him. He goes, wait a minute. He goes, I look at this as a great opportunity. I go, what do you mean? And he goes, well, he goes, you don't want to lose players. He goes, but we get a chance to show how good we are. You know, we get a chance to prove what we believe, which is we're really good at what, what we do. We have great scouts and great evaluators of talent, and we, we understand what the coaches need. And we think we're going to ride this out. You know, we think we're going to find ways um, to overcome these injuries by signing these guys. Uh, you know, like a year ago, they signed Ross Cockrell and some some guys like that, some veteran players. And he looked at it just the opposite of you would think. And and you know what? They won 13 games with all these injuries, with all the guys going in and out of the lineup. Um, Spytek and his crew and Jason Light as well, they, they managed to cover up um, you know, what they were missing, which is hard to do in this league. Look, I, we're not that many years removed from, you know, this team not making the playoffs for 12 straight seasons. I mean, 5-11 and 11 seemed to be what they were every single year. Didn't matter who the coach or the quarterback was. And these guys come in, and, you know, despite everything collapsing around them, they win 13 games, which has never been done here before. Granted, I know you had one more week, but let's be real. You know, 13 wins, the most ever in club history with this many injuries. So he's a he's a really good guy. Um, he's a really good evaluator, knows the game, good people person, great people skills, which I think is important. It's hard to find in football these days, believe me, you know. 
Um, and I think he's going to do great. So I hope, you know, Minnesota uh, pulls the trigger or somebody else because when he does get his opportunity, he's going to kill it. He's going to be great. And, yeah, I hope that happens for him. So, yeah, that was that was interesting. And finally, in football, I uh, just wanted to mention this. The Texans fired David Culley after one season. They basically set him up to say, yeah, you're not really our guy, but we don't have Deshaun Watson because of all his off-field situations and the lawsuits, and we're going to just pay him $35 million and never make him active. And you're going to have Davis Mills, you know, another guy, and you're going to be the worst football team in the league. You got your chance. You're 60, you know, three years old or whatever it was, but you get to be a head coach, and we're assigning you to a two-year deal. And he manages to win four games, which I don't know how he won four to be honest with you, with that roster. Uh, and they fire him. You know, just, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. And you wonder and what took don't... so long, too, why it took till Thursday to do that. Well, my theory is they have a deal with a new coach. And that's, you know, and I think it's going to be Miami's coach. Flores. Yeah, it's going to be Flores because him and the, uh, you know, and the Houston GM who, who – you know, came from New England, are buddies. And, and look, I think, you know, Flores has done, he did a credible job. I've heard some things about him, though. Like, he's not, a lot of these Belichick assistants, when they get to become head coaches, are kind of to sort of act like Belichick. Like, they've got all the answers and they don't work well with others in the sandbox. And I think, you know, Stephen Ross checked that out, you know, down in Miami. And I don't think the GM and, and him were of the same mind, but, um, but I would guess that in the next day or so, depending on how long the Texans want to run this out and wait for the body to get cold, but I would guess that they're probably going to hire, you know, Flores before, uh, you know, before it's over. I think, I think you, I think you waited four days to make sure your guy was there and then got to deal with him before you, you, uh, jettison the other guy, but it's just, it's so such bad business. And I, if I was a coach and I had options, there's no way I'd, I'd go down to that mess in, in Texas right now. There are, they're they're just a, a mess. Well, that's, but that but I mean, so but that's no different than if you were prepared to keep him, but you think a better coach came along. I mean, that's yeah. what happened with Joe Madden in Chicago. I mean, they got Did rid a of better Rick coach Rent- come along. They got Rick Renteria. They got rid of Rick Renteria to hire Joe Madden. Yeah, that's true. They did. I mean, you know, this happens all. But the Renteria time. was he was he there just one year? Uh, no, he's there that's more true? than that. More than that. Yeah. But I mean, See, the problem is, I, I, I mean, I, I know what you're saying. It's just that I don't. I, I guess this is where I know how hard it is to to get these jobs, mm-hmm. particularly if you're a minority, particularly if 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 you're going to a team that that is, you know, this was not a sort of a, you know, hey, we just get a couple of players and we're gonna we got a chance to win. Like mm-hmm. this was a total rebuild, right? Mm-hmm. And you had a quarterback situation that was, you know, on fire, right? Because Watson had all these accusations with the massage therapist and all this and all the civil suits. And so they were going to basically shelve him for a year. So you had no quarterback. You get Tyrod Taylor who gets hurt. You end up playing a virtual rookie in a way in Davis Mills. And they just, you know, there are teams that don't have a chance to win more than four, three or four games. And this was one of them. And so you really were just, I, I think they kind of knew it. I think they, they figured that, we, well, we just need a guy – that's going to take the shrapnel, you know, and maybe we'll give him a second year. Because how many head coaches, first of all, only signed two-year deals? That should have been warning number one. 
But if you're David Culley, who I know he used to work here in Tampa as a receivers mm-hmm. coach, you know, you're in your 60s, so you just not, you know, you, you, this time this chance may not come along. I don't fault him for taking it, and mm-hmm. somebody else will take the next one. But I know what you're saying. Like, okay, well, we got a chance to get this guy. Look, I don't think it's fair but, for him. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying yeah, is I know. This, this happens more often, you know, particularly if it's a guy that you know and like that becomes available. I this suppose, happens all the time in sports. I mean, it doesn't happen in the NFL as much. I haven't seen many one and dones in the NFL unless it's just been, you know, a guy that just had a total meltdown. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it does happen, but I guess not, it's not, I don't know, it's not very. And look, Flores will go in there and, he, he, you know, I, I guess, you know, the GM and the coach have to be kind of linked up that way. So maybe he'll get along with him better since he has a, a background with him. But, um, man, it, the NFL is tough, man. Like, it, you know, if you don't have the quarterback, I just say this: I don't care who you are, man. If you don't have that guy, you have a tough time winning. Belichick always did when he didn't have the guy, and God bless him, he did a nice job in free agency. He should get he should get executive of the year this year uh, because of the job he pulled out in free agency, and, and then the quarterback obviously worked out as a rookie. But if you don't have him, I don't care how good you are as a coach, you're probably not going to win many games, and you know. You go to a team that has Deshaun Watson that they say they're not going to play, and it's just like, wow, what chance do I have? But he handled it with class, mm-hmm. as I knew he would, and you know, I don't know if he'll ever get a chance to be a head coach again. Well, as we sit here right now doing this podcast, there's one black head coach in the NFL. One. It's Mike Tomlin. So if you work for the Steelers who never fire a coach and you never have a losing season, then that's job security, I guess. But uh, we'll see if the, if the league, uh, you know, does any better on, on, on the, uh, you know, the sort of balancing the, the sheets there as, as head coaches go. But, yeah, I just – I think the Texans are – I don't know. There's been a lot of pushback about just sort of how they handled that and waiting four days and, you know, not giving them much of a chance. But we'll see how that turns out. Anyway, so it's Bucks in the playoffs on Sunday, 1 o'clock. I love it. It's Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on Fox are going to have that game. And it is – you know, win or go home, man. And I I think the Bucks will win. But either way, we'll talk to you on Sunday night and yeah, break it down. Enjoy this. I mean, what, the first home playoff game since yeah. when? Uh, 2007. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's all before yeah. I, I moved to town in 2010. So I've not seen yeah. a home playoff game in town. And they haven't won a playoff game. Well, they've won one now, but they haven't won one at home. Okay, mm-hmm. since they beat San Francisco in 2002. Wow. Uh, that's the last home playoff game they won. So, yeah, these are rare. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk Monday about all the Eagles fans that, that the Bucks sold their tickets to. Uh, that's inevitable. But um, it should be cool. They're going to you know pass out the flags. And it's, you know, playoff football here was always cool in the few games that they've had. And the fact that it's the Eagles is interesting, too, because they played. This is the fifth time they played Philadelphia in the postseason. Um, it's the third time at home, I believe. One, two. I think it's the third time at home. But anyway, um, I'm a little nervous about this. And then after that, of course, you got to wait and see what happens on Monday night, what happens Sunday uh, later in, in the afternoon with Dallas. It looks like if they won that game, they'll either play Dallas or the Rams. Uh, well, yeah, Dallas, if Dallas wins, that's who the Bucks would play because of the two, three right. seeds. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, if San Francisco wins, both, then you got to wait. If they're both upset, you know, if you have Dallas losing to San Francisco and Arizona takes care of the Rams, you might play Arizona. Or would Arizona be the lowest seed at that point? No, Arizona would be the highest. You would play Arizona, yeah. 
you you probably play Arizona, yeah. So um so we don't know, but you gotta win the game first or none of it matters. And will they be doing a post mortem or will we be preparing for the next match to see uh who they got in the second round and uh and then it will be on to Green Bay and let's win there. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But uh I'm I'm confident this team will find a way. They're resourceful, they're champions, um, so long as they don't get off to just a horrific start. But uh, but it's not going to be as easy. It wasn't easy last year, but this is going to be a tough puzzle to put together. And you know their hardest game last year was the first one. Um, it was after that they seemed to Taylor seemed to relax. Heineke. Yeah, yeah, three hundred yards, and he was great, and he got him into a one score game. And you know, I think Jalen Hurts is going to hang this. I think I think the Eagles are going to hang in this one. I really do. Now watch they'll win by forty, but I really do think this is going to be a tough contest. And we'll see what the weather does because. It uh, looks like the front is uh, blowing through a little quicker, which would be my experience in Florida always. But um, hopefully if you're going to the game like my family is, you bring the ponchos or the raincoats or whatever and don't get too wet or too sick. It's going to be, you know, going to be uncomfortable maybe if the rain is coming down. But, again, we hope it gets through here and uh, everything's fine. So we'll talk to you on Sunday night. Forsty versus Nick Gumrick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. 